Welcome to White Oak, everybody. We're glad you're here. Let's stand together and sing, okay? Let's give him praise and worship this morning.
but you see a mountain move And as I walk through the shadow Your love surrounds me And there's nothing to fear now For I'm safe with you Oh yes I am battle belongs to you and every fear I lay at your feet I'll see through the night oh God the battle belongs to you come on oh yeah yeah and if you are for me who can be against me oh it's Come on, church. An almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadow, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Sing it again. An almighty fortress. Come on. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadow. You win every battle. Nothing can stand. Let's sing it again. Power of our God. And Almighty Force. You go before. Yes, He does. Nothing can stand against. You win 
pray with me? God, the battle belongs to you and you alone. How many times we try to fight these things on our own, try to use our own weapons, try to go to the front lines. And God, you're saying, no, let me do that for you. Let me go to the front line. Let me be the one before you who can fight this thing in your life. The impossible becomes possible because of you, God, because of our faith, because of our belief in your power to do incredible, amazing things. We all come into this place from completely different situations. Some of us feel close to you right now. Some of us feel far from you. Some of us feel in the middle. Some of us, God, don't know where we are with you. Do we have faith in you? Do we believe? And God, you're saying, just trust me. Just act out in faith and trust me. Because there is victory in Jesus. There is victory in his name. Pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.
could not sing that with more passion in our hearts and with our lives because it's true from your word. You take what the enemy meant for so much evil for our lives and you turn it around to something beautiful. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Welcome to White Oak. We're going to give it up for our uh, Grow Zone director. She loves beating up in front of people. Give it up for Christy Nunn. Come on. Go, Christy. Good morning. Welcome to White Oak. And no, I don't like being in front of the of you guys. I don't mind children, but I'm the Grow Zone director. And what I do is birth to fifth grade. We call that Grow Zone. And it's a Sunday morning ministry that happens mostly on Sundays, but we also offer things such as Easter egg hunts, summer camps for kids, and classes for parents. We actually have a family face shift class coming up at the end of January. I want to just plug really fast because it's a Great opportunity for you and your elementary kids to come discover what it means to be baptized. Like, what does the Bible say about that? And answer some of your tough questions. So I encourage you, if you have an elementary child, anywhere from second to, I would even take a seventh grader. If they have questions, just come sit, have donuts. Brianna Zint's going to lead us. It'll be a great time just to equip you as parents to help come alongside your children. So anyway, I want to talk to you about here at White Oak, um, not only your offering and your generosity fuels this ministry. So thank you in advance for your generosity. Um, other ministries happen here at White Oak because of that. We also have people all around the world spreading the gospel because of what we do here at White Oak and how we give. Um, we're called to be generous with the resources that God has given us. You can give here at White Oak in a variety of ways. Behind your chairs are little QR codes you can scan with your phones. There are boxes when you walked in those doors. You can put your offering in there. You can go to our website or our app and do it that way. If you prefer mail, you can mail this in our Coleraine campus office. Thank you again for making ministry like mine happen. Hi, White Oak, Richie Jackson here. If you're new, let me welcome you. On behalf of all of us that call White Oak home, we're glad that you're here with us. If you'd like to sign up or get more information about any of the things going on, head on over to our website, thewocc welcome. You can also scan the QR code that's on the screen. You can sign up for Discover White Oak. You can learn more about our kids and student ministry. God is good. God is in control. In our series, Vantage Point, we're reminding ourselves that God has a perspective that we do not have. Our prayer is that God will use this to help you trust Him more and experience the full life found in His Son, Jesus. Are you new to White Oak? Are you ready to learn more about what's going on at our church? I want to invite you to Discover White Oak. Discover White Oak is a lunch where you can come learn from our team, learn about what's going on at White Oak, the mission of White Oak, and the vision that we have at White Oak of understanding what it means to be a partner at White Oak. Discover White Oak is held several times a year. It's a great chance to meet new friends. Our next Discover White Oak is on January 23rd at noon. Lunch is provided, so please RSVP. So RSVP Discover White Oak, please go to thewocc.com forward slash welcome. January 30th from 6 to 7 p.m. at each of our campuses, we're going to be gathering for an evening of worship and prayer. Join us as we sing and pray together. 
It will be a great way to start up our new year while wrapping up our series, Vantage Point. We're glad that you were here with us today. Would you take a moment to fill out the connection card and let us know that you were here? This allows us to share with you some different opportunities that we have for you. I'm so glad that you're here. I can't wait for you to discover what God has next on your path to full life. So control is a funny thing, right? Like we all want control a little bit. We, we, we want to have more control. And what we do have, what little control we have in our life, sometimes we struggle to ever give that up. Now, even as little kids, once we get to a certain age, it's all about what we can control, right? Like I remember my, both of my sons at ages where they would throw fits over the silliest little things like I want to turn the water on in my bath or I want to pick my own clothes or why can't I do that or this? And it, was, it came down and I thought, why are you throwing a fit about this? And reality was it came down to control. It was things that they could control. They wanted to have that as well. And so I'll admit, I don't like giving up control either. I like having control, particularly when it comes to driving. I am not a fan of riding in cars with other people driving. I do not like it. If I'm in the passenger seat, you will regularly see me checking your mirrors, looking over and saying, like, hey, this lane over here is clear. Like, you need to slow down. There's a stop sign coming. Why are you not passing this car? Like, drives me crazy. And, and if you're not seeing me feel this way or squirm in the passenger seat while you're driving, then that means you're probably a pretty good driver. Um, most people are not. So I'm just going to say that I don't do that often. Now, when I'm doing this with people I'm friends with or whatever, it's, it's in my head. Most of it, it's an internal dialogue that I have with myself, like, this person's going to kill me. Like, I don't understand what's happening. But with my wife, Pam, it's audible. Like, I say it aloud, like, what are you doing? Why are you not driving better? I know she hates it. I'm positive she hates it. Listen, she's not a bad driver. She's just not as good as me, Okay. <laughs> And that's a reality. That's a reality we face in our marriage. There's been some disagreements about driving. And so as a result, I drive us everywhere. Even if we're driving her car, you will find me in the driver's seat. I don't like giving up control of that situation on the road, okay? I'm not a good passenger, just I admit that. Now, we're in a series right now where we are learning or relearning, possibly, about the sovereignty or the supreme authority of God. And so God has this different and much more whole view of our world. I mean, we as humans can only see this world from our own cultural 
lens. And that's a limited lens. It's very limited as to what we can see. I have a different viewpoint than maybe a lot of you even in this room. I'm a white, middle-class man. I feel things differently than a lot of other people. And so we've been talking about how we don't see this world from the perspective of the one who's created it all and the one who can see it all. And how God is over all creation and that we need to learn to trust and obey the perspective that he has for our lives. Truth is that God is only accountable to himself. He does not report to anyone. He's not required at any time to give anyone an explanation for anything that he does or anything that he says. He controls all nature. He created all of it. He is capable of carrying out any project, anything that he wants to design to successful conclusion without the possibility of fault or failure. And this should cause us a healthy fear. But fear is is not the same as being afraid. See, nothing can stand against us We are God's cherished possession. This means he works for all things for our good. And so we got to learn to trust that his control is best for us. There was a guy, Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament that we read. And he was a disciple who came after the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus back into heaven. And so he wrote letters to the churches of the time. And so he wrote a letter to the to the church in Rome, and he wrote this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And so that leads to our big idea for today, which is trust that God is working for your good. I want to tell you a story from the Bible, and it happens back in the Old Testament, actually. And so it happens, the Old Testament is just the original writings of the Jewish people, right? And so this story takes place about 550 years prior to the birth of Jesus. And so we're going to find this story in the book of Daniel, and it's going to be in chapter 6. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open them up to Daniel chapter 6. If you're watching online this morning, we're glad you're here. Pull Daniel chapter 6 up, maybe in a different window or on your phone. Um, if you need a Bible, we've got them available for you at the hub as you head out. We'd love to give those to you. You can take those. They're free. Now, the book of Daniel is written about, surprisingly enough, a guy named Daniel, right? And Daniel finds himself in this book living in a foreign land. He's not living where he grew up. His people, which were from Judah, they have been exiled and they've been taken out of their homes and they've been brought to Babylon. And so the Babylonians, they have different customs and culture and rituals than what the Jewish law says. Yet Daniel and some of his friends have continued to follow the law of God. They have continued to be true to what God has asked them to do and they continue to worship him have continued to acknowledge that God is the ruler over the entirety of the earth. And so what happens is, is God has continued to protect them throughout this time. Even more than that, God has actually blessed them and put them into good places. Daniel himself has been moved into a place of honor and power within the Babylonian royalty. 
And so he had served, at this point in the story, he'd served under two kings already. And now he's serving under a third king, Darius. And at this point in the story, it's interesting. We sometimes look, if you've ever read Daniel or if you've been in Sunday school as a kid and you've seen these pictures of Daniel, he's always like a young-looking guy. He's actually in his 80s when this happens. I know, this is crazy to realize. He was an older guy when this story takes place. And so he's working as one of three administrators for the king. And basically, administrators were men who were assigned to oversee the lower-tier officials who were running the kingdom. They were running the area, kind of getting things going. Basically, these men who the king had appointed, they needed to be people that the king could trust, people who had character, people who the king would say would protect his name throughout the land. Now, clearly, Daniel was a man of high character. Unfortunately, the other administrators who worked alongside of him and the lower-tier officials, they didn't like Daniel. They were jealous of him because the king liked him the most. And so they wanted him gone. And so they tried to think of a way, they plotted against him to find a way to get rid of him. But they couldn't come up with anything. So they came up with a plan. They, they, they made a way. They knew that Daniel was committed to God. They knew his commitment to God. And they knew he was faithful to his daily prayers. And so they used this to try to get rid of him. They convinced King Darius that no one should be praying to anyone other than Darius for 30 days. Now, what they did is they played into Darius's vanity. A king in this time didn't just see himself as royalty over people. He saw himself at the level of a god. And so Darius said, you're right, you're right. No one should pray to anyone or ask petitions of anyone but me for 30 days. So he passed this edict that said if anyone was caught doing this, they would be thrown into the lion's den, basically a pit of lions that are going to eat them. Now, Darius didn't know that what he was doing was impacting Daniel. They had tricked him. But check out what happens here, and we're going to be in chapter 6, starting in verse 10. It says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. I love that when faced with opposition, verse 10 tells us that Daniel returned home and he prayed three times a day. And the best part of that line is he said, just as he had done before. Just as he had been doing. The reality was, is this wasn't something Daniel started to do after the edict had been passed. He'd already been doing this. This was a discipline that he had already worked into his life, that he was doing regularly. I think sometimes we get a little upset when laws or things get passed that impact us when we're not even taking advantage of the thing that impacts us. We get all up in arms about, oh, you took the Ten Commandments out of the school. Are you reading the Ten Commandments every day? Is this something you don't remember? Like we let these little things get us angry when we weren't really taking advantage, but Daniel was. Daniel was doing these things, and he didn't try to hide. He didn't run to Darius after he passed and say, why did you do this? You need to reverse this. I don't like this. This, isn't, this is infringing on my rights. 
Instead, he did what he'd always done. He continued to trust God. He continued to lean on God, even during uncertainty. When things, when things seem to not be working out for you, do you still trust that God is in control? I mean, when you get that hard diagnosis, things like cancer, COVID, diabetes, heart disease, whatever it is, right? When you get that hard diagnosis, do you continue to praise God? When your kids are in pain or struggling and you're, and you're trying to help them overcome and you don't know how, are you turning to the world for answers or are you turning to Jesus? I mean, when, you, when the bullies of this world are talking about you and, and calling you names and mistreating you and, and doing bad things to you, do you let them define who you are or are you leaning on what God's word says about you? I mean, when you can't seem to kick an addiction in your life, I mean, that's one that people struggle with and you've prayed and prayed for a way out. Do you just stop praying because it hasn't come yet or do you keep running to God? Listen, in two weeks, uh, Richie talked about on January, Sunday, January 30th at 6 p.m., we're going to have a prayer night here. We're going to be holding a prayer night at both of our campuses. And so we want you to be there for this event. You can register for this on our website. You can take a picture of the QR code that are on the chairs or around the building. Or you can go through our app. You can, we want you to register this because we feel it is important to enter this year with prayer. To lean on the sovereignty of our God in heaven. To spend that evening praying to our God for direction and authority over our church, our families, our communities, and the world. And if you're watching online today, I just encourage you the same. I encourage you to register for this. Attend one of these at one of our campuses because it'll be an important night for us to come together and go to God. You see, for Daniel, there was no other answer. God is in control. And Daniel's actions showed that he truly believed that. In the face of utter danger and death, he kept doing what he's always done, praying to the sovereign God. Trust that God is working for your good. Now in the story, right, these men, they go and tell King Darius about Daniel. And, the, and, King, and Darius is actually very distraught. The, the Bible actually says he was greatly distressed because he realized he's, he got tricked a little bit. And he loves Daniel. He wants Daniel to be part of his kingdom. Daniel's one of his favorite people. And so he doesn't want to enforce this punishment. He's struggling, but he knows that if he doesn't do it, he's going to look weak. And it means that people are probably not going to listen to him the next time he puts something out. So he has Daniel thrown to the lion's den. It says, So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. I could see right there, I mean, that the king really didn't want this to happen. He was distraught, he, but he felt like he had no choice. 
And he's trouble. And yet Daniel is in this lion's den. Why? Because he's being punished for a commitment that he made, for something that he followed God into. I wonder if we sometimes feel like following God creates more problems for us than actual solutions, right? Because sometimes for, some, for all of us, following what our culture says is far easier than following God's words. Now, I'm sure you've heard of this before, but every year there, this, there's this migration of salmon out of the ocean and they swim upriver every single year. And the intriguing thing is that they come out of the ocean, but they go against the current of the river. Like they're going in a direction that they haven't gone for a long time. And so they battle bears and fishermen and rocks and fallen trees and even waterfalls. It's crazy to see. Like they go up these, these waterfalls sometimes. It's really remarkable their ability to do this. And they're one of the few fish that do this. And there's this amazing reason that they do. They return, they make this trek every year to return to the place that they were born so that they can spawn and create more salmon. I'm sure you're thinking the same thing I think when I read this. Why don't you just spawn in the ocean? That seems like it would take less time and a lot less energy. Um, Maybe a little less danger that you deal with. And in the end, you end up back in the ocean Um, So that just seems really illogical to me. But here's the reason it says it's because they return to the freshwater pools. There's actually less danger. There's more food there. And the chance of them finding another salmon to mate with is far higher. In essence, they've made this fight, this difficult journey to have a better chance at continued life for their people. For their fish. They're not people, but hey. I don't know. Maybe they have feelings. I don't think they do. Um, but it would be easier to stay where they are, to go with the current, to stay in that large ocean where the majority of all the other fish spawn. But the salmon fight that urge. So how about us? How are we at fighting against the urge to go along with what our culture tells us is easier and using the path of least resistance? I think this is pretty difficult, just to be truthful with you, and I'm including myself here. It's not always easy to go against the current of this life. With finances, it's not easy to say, hey, I don't need all that stuff or everything that I want or the best and current things. In our relationships, sometimes it's easier to give in to our sexual desires because it's far cooler and more enjoyable than listening to what God says about sex. I mean, with our friendships, we, we find it easier to talk and believe and act like other people rather than letting God shine through our life. Because truth be told, we worry about the consequences of being different. If we stand out, if we fight against the cultural expectations of this world, if we stand up for what God wants us to believe, then we might be mistreated, we might be labeled, we might be hated. 
But you see, in this story, Daniel did not care about the consequences of his faith. He wasn't worried about losing power, about losing friends, money. He didn't even care that he lost his life. He stood firm and allowed himself to be punished for the glory of God. Yet God was in control. We can believe that as well. Listen, trust that God is working for your good. See, the story goes on. And when Darius runs to the lion's den the next morning and the stone gets rolled away, he finds Daniel alive and well. Daniel tells him that God sent an angel to close the mouth of the lion so that they would not eat him. And Darius is ecstatic. He is so happy. And this is the really gruesome part of the story. I don't know if you, we don't teach this in Sunday school, okay? But the guy then has all these other guys, and here's the really terrible part, and their entire families thrown into the lion's den. I feel bad for those people. It's harsh. Check out how this story ends in verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. I mean, we sang that song that says, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. These guys meant to hurt Daniel. They meant death to him. And now Daniel's faith not only led to his own safety, but it led to the transformation of the heart of King Darius. Our commitment to God's sovereignty sometimes, it's not about just protecting us, our own good. It's even about the good of other people. It leads to changed hearts. It leads to full life. In this story, we can see that knowing God is in, in, in full control, it takes trust. And sometimes we use words like, man, I was really lucky. I don't know, but, but here's the thing, guys. Things happen because God makes them happen. Or God allows them to happen. Trust that God is working for your good. See, understanding the will of God, it's not easy. I know that's the catch here. Sometimes we don't get to see the rescue that Daniel experienced, right? That makes it hard for us to believe that God is in control for our good. I mean, sometimes we may not feel that the good of our obedience to God happens on this side of heaven. We don't get to see the reward until much later. We don't always experience the kind of rescue that we think we need. We have our expectations of, I think this will be what I need, but God says, I've got something bigger planned. I mean, you might be looking for answers on an issue that you're dealing with. You might feel like the world is crashing down around you, and you're praying, but you're not sure that God is listening. And so you're struggling to pay the bills and you aren't sure why God hasn't provided and you're, 
your, your faith, you're being attacked about your faith from people and you're being told that you're backwards and invalid. And you just don't know how God is going to rescue you from this and come through. But even in these situations, I got to ask you, can you trust that God is looking out for your good? See, Paul, who we talked about earlier, he wrote these words. He said, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God doesn't withhold anything from us. Jesus proves that. If you asked me to give up my children for you, I wouldn't do it. It's the truth. But God gave up his son so that we could experience the best life now and in eternity. I know that doesn't put money in your pocket or take away fear and anxiety that comes with sickness and pain. However, that promise still remains true. God literally gave it all to be able to be in relationship with us. He sent his son to die for us. And so we wait in this life for the full life that sometimes will be consummated in the life yet to come. God shows us evidence of his glory and mercy through Jesus so that we can know he is trustworthy and true. Listen, today, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, I want to ask you to not let fear or concern stand in your way. I mean, we said it last week when we, we said, listen, you don't have to understand completely to obey fully. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't, you don't have to be all clean and your past all worked out before you come to God. He wants you just as you are. He wants to be in control of your life, to be the one to bring you good and wonderful things. So I encourage you, if you haven't done that, take that step today. Come find me up front after service. And if, if you're watching online, for those of you who are watching today online, if you want to make that step, go to our website. You can find a, a way to contact us there and you can reach out to us and let us know you're ready to take that step. And then take the step to be baptized that's the next step in the commitment of your faith. And so we're going to be having baptisms here on February 13th. So if you're ready to take that step, let me know. Come up here again. Find me. Come let me know because we would love to help you find out what that means. Because here's the truth. Only through the transformative power of Jesus can we truly understand the will of God. Even then, it may not be real clear for us on this earth. I'm just being truthful with you. That's the reality. Sometimes we don't see the forest. We just see the tree. So we've got to rest in the peace that God is in control, that God knows what he's doing, and that God loves us and wants only good things for us, what's best for us. So this week, I would encourage you, how can you take steps of trusting that? of trusting that God wants the best for you. 
How can you rest in the knowledge that God is in control? I encourage you to pray about this this week. Spend some time in prayer praying about how you can trust that God is in control. Remember, God is working for your good. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, we are just so thankful to be in your house today. A place where miracles happen, Lord. A place where you come and you lift us up as we worship you, Lord. And so today, Lord, I pray that we can find a place where we can trust that you are in control. That you are working for our good. Sometimes, Lord, it's hard to see. It's hard to see how the situations in life that we're dealing with are working towards a good future. And Lord, I I know there are people here today who are hurting, who have lost loved ones, who are dealing with struggles. And they're thinking, God, where is this best for me? And so today, Lord, we just ask you to help them trust you to lean on you, to be able to trust you even in the midst of the lion's den. Thank you for giving your son as a sacrifice for our future. We pray all this in his name. Amen. If you're a guest this morning, uh, I want to let you know we do take communion here uh, each and every week. And so if you missed it, it's on the tables in the back. You can go ahead and grab that. And if you have it, you can go ahead and get that open. And I, I want to pray for you. And then we're going to sing a song that really uh, uh, goes along with what Chris is talking about, the challenge that we, um, we have from him this morning. And it's going to help us uh, reflect on um, the beautiful sacrifice of Jesus. So it's a meal we eat together. We invite all followers of Jesus to do this now. So go ahead whenever you're ready. And, Let's take the bread together, and let's take the juice together. Remember his sacrifice and how amazing it was. sacrificing your body on the cross spiritual reminder of the problem that you solved in our lives our, our, our spiritual problem of sin and that separation uh, that we had between us and God and how all that was resolved by that miracle on the cross we thank you Jesus stand together and sing and celebrate and worship This is a house of worship. This is a place of praise. Where every demon trembles. 
proclaim your name. This is a house of healing. Our hearts are full of faith. You have a full attention. You have the final say. So who come alive in the name of Jesus? Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. Oh, and we bring everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything in the name of Jesus. resurrection power your blood runs through our veins your kingdom triumphs over even the coldest grave oh yes it does oh good
everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything in the name of Jesus. This is our house of miracle. Amen. And we can lay it all at the foot of the cross. You guys can go ahead and be seated real quick. Just a few more things just to share with you. Um, as I mentioned uh, earlier, coming up on January 30th, so in two weeks, um, we will be having a night of worship and prayer at both of our campuses. So you can attend in either place. Um, we would like for you to register that so we are aware of that. So you can register for that at thewocc.com slash welcome. I think there's a registration there or you can go to our website uh, the QR codes that you find on the back of your seat, you can also do that, as well as fill out your connection card as a part of that. But this is going to be a great night for us to celebrate, to pray, just to lift, go to God in prayer. It's going to be an opportunity for us to pray for lots of different things, to be leaning on God in prayer as we want to do throughout this year and for the rest of our lives. So I'd encourage you to come and be a part of that at 6 o'clock at both campuses on January 30th. Um, next week, January 23rd, we will be having Discover White Oak at both of our campuses as well. And so that will be at noon with lunch provided. And this is an opportunity, if you're new around White Oak or you'd like to learn more about what we do here, this is an opportunity for you to come, meet some of the staff, meet some other people who are also new around here, um, learn about our mission and vision, and just have a chance to ask any questions you may have that, about things here at White Oak. And you get to hang out with me some more which is a lot of fun. Or Kevin Smith from our Colerain campus, if you're watching online, you can attend at either place. But we'd love for you to register for that. Again, you can do that right through the um, QR code or through dwocc.com. Let us know you're coming so that we've got enough food for you, okay? Um, hey, if you're new, if this is your first Sunday here at White Oak, we would love for you to stop by the hub on your way out. We've got a little gift as a way of saying thanks for being here. So if you can do that on your way out, I would appreciate it. And if you have anything you need prayer for, myself and Dan will be down front here. We would love to pray for you, lift you up, have, be praying for you throughout the week. So please come down and talk to us if you need anything. We hope you have a great week. We'll see you next weekend. The